but they're pretty good. They're pretty good. So tune in with Phil and Brett. Pretty good cooking. Pretty good cooking. Hey, Phil. This is Brett. Hey. Hi, Brett. I'm Phil. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Um, welcome to uh, episode two, huh? Yeah. Yeah, boy, we made it. Yeah. Over the hump. <laughs> Apparently. Great. It's fantastic. <laughs> Great and good. It's, what's nice is we peaked early, so it's all downhill from here. That's uh, That's been our motto on the show. Peak, peak like, early. Peak if early you look at down. our uh, YouTube analytics, uh, we've never had a subscriber bump like that. There's like one huge spike maybe like a month after we started and an even bigger one maybe three months and it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Perfect. <I'm, laughs> your main goal is to shed as many subscribers as possible and it sounds like you're doing that. No, that's not no. I mean, we, our our growth rate. It's it's all a metrics thing, right? Mm. It's like you know what what number are you really tracking? And we we have uh, we've been slow and steady for coming up on oh my god, is it five years? Is it four years? I don't know. But it's like it's been like four or five subs a day forever, and that's 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 how you grow. Sloan Steady wins the race, my friend. Yeah. I do like to look at the uh, the trend data and see, like, on days, if did we, like, net lose subscribers? And that, that has happened a few times, like, when we put out a really shitty episode. Uh, I'm <laughs> like, well, I guess they didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have the uh, you have the demographic breakdown, too, right? So like- yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons, tons of data. Mm. Tons of big, creepy Google data. Fantastic. So what would you say is a a demographic you're po- popular with that you wouldn't suspect? Uh, let, me, let me let me pull them up. Hold on a second. <laughs> let's see. I'm going to take some. Let's, let's see. I'm going to think. Oh, it's what demos, what, 30 to 49 normally is how they break it out. So like 18 to 18 to 30, 30 to 49. I'm going to say. Oh, God. Women 55 plus. <laughs> you, you, you can't be serious. <laughs> You're, uh, my, my dogs are feeling pretty woofy today, so I got to... No worries. I got I to gotta politely ask them to stop barking. Hey, dogs, could you please stop barking? <laughs> it's Thank almost, you. It's almost like a PGC filming. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I don't know why you're barking, but I appreciate it. All right. You're safe All now. All right. So our uh, our our female audience is actually up hmm. uh, in the last 28 days from the overall average. Uh, we are at 10 and a half percent female viewership. <laughs> you know what though? That's actually higher than I thought it would be. That's not bad. We've we've been at that ten percent ish level for a really long time, and that's over. That's across all demos. Just that's just strictly yep, gender. That's yep, hmm. yep. 
That's not bad. Um, so for age brackets, uh, it actually breaks it out into fairly... Wow, these kind of seem arbitrary to me. Um, there's eight, There's 13 to 17-year-olds. We have no viewership there. <laughs> uh, there's 18 to 24. There's 25 to 34. 35 to 44. 45 to 54. 55 to 64. And 65 plus. Mm. Oh, this is the last 28 days. I want. I want. Let's zoom out. Let's get some. Let's get some better data. Is there a uh, in one of those age ranges? Is there a uh, is there a smaller gender gap, or is it pretty consistent across? I don't know if you can layer mm. the stats on top of each other. Gotcha. Um, it doesn't look like you can. Mm. Uh, however, when we zoom out. Mm. There are two statistically small uh, groups, which is the 13 to 17-year-olds mm-hmm. and those over 65. Now, of those two groups, which one do you think is the larger one? B. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, old folks right. watch us more than the youngest of folks. Yes. <laughs> but our core audience is 25 to 34. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, look at that. We did a deep dive into data right off. That's beautiful. I think um, I think the second most important thing we need to address um, is the lack of a cover of the theme performed by Phil. I, I sang pretty good. <laughs> I know. What's so great? Because with the Direct delay, theme. with the delay between it, you know, it going and you saying it, it's going to sound like ass. Yes, it was really good. <laughs> We'll get it you know, you know how um, you know how we were talking about how some of the days when we make episodes, I feel shitty mm. and I don't want to do the show. Mm-hmm. And you like that? Well, if I was filming today, it would it would be such a day. Good. So I got you in a shit mood. So that's perfect. I'm just tired. Yeah, I've been uh, on post-op rest for actually officially a week now so if anything i'm rammy rammy bored which doesn't put you in a great mood either especially because you're you know you're in pain can't do much and you what is sit around what what is a rammy bore what does that mean rammy you know like uh anxious you want to go do stuff but like you're also you're bored but you want to do things but you can't really do things i i understand the sentiment that's must be like a colloquialism that I'm just not familiar with. Maybe I just uh, created it today. Who knows? It's plausible. All right, so we'll get into the usual sh- shit that we do. Um, we'll go through the episodes this month, uh, do a little deep dive. Um, I got some fan questions mixed in the mix. Uh, yeah, we got our usual Aussie report to go through. Um, you had a New York trip we'll talk about briefly, and there we go. So we'll start off with, um, the Succotash episode, and, uh, I'll actually just, the first clip I'll play is your actual intro to that episode as well. Here's a quick story, uh, a memory, a nice one, maybe a tearjerker, maybe a wholesome story. Throughout my life, I've had various pains in my balls. When I was a teenager, an appendix from one of my testes came right off, and it f***ing hurt. 
hurt real bad. Stayed in bed for several days and was in a lot of pain. This was during the summer, during the height of our garden season, and my father, who has no culinary skills whatsoever, picked some squash and green beans for me. They're two of my favorite vegetables, and he boiled them up, and on a little business card he was like, I made you this suffering succotash to help you in this hard time, something like that. I still have the note somewhere because I thought it was real nice. There was a time that my dad was real nice to me. There you go. Now. Is it, an, is it appropriate to call that story touching, considering the... <laughs> you just you just want to make a balls joke. I do, I do just want to make a balls <laughs> you, joke. You, you were like, you were like, you were playing in this, you were playing in this show and you were like, well, Phil talked about balls, so we can make balls jokes. You know what, though? When I, I re-reviewed uh, the month's videos, uh, not last night, the night before. There's a lot of ball references in this little subset of videos I noticed. That's <laughs> uh, who who can who could say who could say why? There's there's Not it's me. trending. <laughs> Balls are trending. I wasn't there for any of the episodes, so I don't I just can't explain it. Don't recall. Well, and then you use lima beans, which are very testicular in, in nature as well. So uh, are they? Come on. Tip tip. It's just bean shaped. That's that is. Well, yeah, okay. In your on on your side of the perspective, I suppose that some people call their balls beans. Like, oh, he got kicked in the beans. But of, I, I, yeah, of the beans, you're going to tell me a pinto is more testicular than a lima? Uh, I think I'm questioning the fundamental link between beans. Not not so much the diversity of beans, <laughs> but just. I, when I think about balls, I don't think about beans. And mm. when I think about beans, I don't think about balls. I don't know. This is weird. This is weird. <laughs> but, well, it was, it was, it's a weird intro for a show anyway, but uh, it worked out. So, yeah, a little touching tale. Um, and, again, I'm guessing this was – this was uh, no, it was intro that way, that it's a, it was a filler. So uh, the John on Vacation filler episode. And I, I saw there was more of a disclaimer this time around was this – was this due to the how to make a salad backlash of the previous month? Um, yeah, I, I mean, kind of. You know, we we uh, we're a hobby show. You know, sometimes we have a lot of time to work on a show. Sometimes we don't. Uh, but you know, we want to. We don't want to disrupt the content schedule because nothing can be more dis, dis uh, disappointing than no video. Um, uh, yeah, man, that's that's life. Like sometimes you just don't have a whole lot of time to edit, uh, and we don't put out you know the greatest of content. Uh, Succotash was clearly never intended to be, you know, its own Tuesday full length episode. Um, but that's what John was able to do, and you know if there's no show, I mean, man, it's if even if we're like five minutes late posting, <laughs> people people get up in arms. They're like, don't you? Don't you disrupt my routine? <laughs> for a, actually, you know what though, for a filler episode, if I don't, I don't know if well, maybe just be because of the time of it, um, length is what I mean. Um, it didn't really feel like a filler, um, other than the the short duration. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, it. and it was it actually was a pretty good recipe uh, in terms of like I enjoyed eating it. Uh, 
I don't know how authentic it is. I don't think it's. I, I think that probably a more traditional succotash would have had bacon hmm. or like real you know, more animal products, uh, such as the the you know the the penchant of southern cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love succotash. I, I like all forms of it, and uh, it's also a cool word. It is. It is a good word. Um, let me see. Anything else on that? So, uh, moving through the episode two, uh, you talk um, about the onion cutting uh, technique. So the, I'm assuming this was this was uh, this was probably filmed a, a bit ago and was kind of on that waiting list of of stuff to become out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely uh, from the archive, so got, to speak. Gotcha. Uh, so it was filmed. The same night that we did the tomahawk steaks. Oh, that uh, is older. Yeah. Big ass tomahawk steaks. Um, so that was like at least a year ago. I want to say it was probably a year ago. Um, and there's, I, I forget if we talked about it or not. I think we did. There's just a uh, shitload of backlog episodes and some parked in purgatory that'll never be released. <laughs> and we, we work from that because, uh, you know, the constraints of, of busy lives and jobs and marriages and shit like that, that all, sometimes we can't film. So it's good to have a a catalog to draw from. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it for the people that also watch your, it was in a Twitch stream, I think is when we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of uh, the listeners here, uh, let's put a plug in the middle of this. Uh, um, What is, what is your Twitch link? It's twitch.tv slash what? I think it's just pretty good cooking. Well, let it? me let me verify. Is that cooking yeah. with an N or is it I? Nope, it's spelled out. Okay. Twitch.tv slash pretty good cooking. There you and go. depending on how long this episode goes, I might stream a little bit after. There we go. Um, and you now, what are they called? The mem- um, whatever level, uh, whatever level you are. Affiliate. There we go. So you can subscribe to his Twitch channel and give him. Your Amazon Prime subscription of two dollars and forty nine cents because every dollar matters. That's right. Every every Twitch dollar is directly converted into the money that I spend on things. <laughs> oh, oh, economics. <laughs> it's, it's very motivational. <laughs> it's for a good cause. <laughs> it's for it's for things I like. That's perfect. Right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Um, okay. So back to the episode itself. Um, so the reason I just want to talk about the age. Um, so I'm just going to play the clip uh, where you talk about the onion cutting technique. All those tips about keeping part of the root intact has really changed my uh, onion cutting game. Now I'm uh, I'm off the struggle bus and I'm on the success helicopter. <laughs> Something. How did I get here? What series of events in my life led to that that statement? So. Um, the reason, well, first of all, success helicopter is fantastic, but also, um, I don't think I've seen you use this, uh, method that you say you adopted in mower. Oh, uh, I do. That's how I cut an onion almost every time. If oh, it's yeah? a big onion. Gotcha. It's gotta be a big onion to, to, as, as my, my current boss has this phrase, he always, he always is saying, I've never heard anyone else say it, but now it's, <laughs> it's ingrained into my brain. It's, it's it, it ha- the juice has to be worth the squeeze, mm. uh, and so it, the onion's got to be big enough for you to keep the root intact. Otherwise, you can just chop it like a maniac, and it'll be fine. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I do that all the time now. Uh, basically, you leave the bottom root section intact, and it it holds the onion together, so it's easier to chop. So it's the same thing as you would use like the uh, what do they call it that that proper claw grip uh, where that. you tuck your fingers that nobody does except for people on TV. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. No, I've I've seen real people do that. I I can't. I I don't. I can't hold it. I've tried but, so many times. I don't know. It just doesn't work it, for me. It's some muscle memory shit. Like you know, you if you practice doing the Spock thing from Star Trek, eventually you're going to be good at it. Gotcha. Uh, that's same same concept. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's really good. And uh, I don't know. Probably like 90 different people have told me to do that. And I, after the 87th, I listened. Peer pressure will do that to a guy. Ah, I'm learning. We're learning together. That's, it's, a, that's, it's, that's, a, it's a process. Trust the process. Do. We learn together. Fantastic. Uh, so that's pretty much everything we got out of that episode. Um, and I think what we learned from the first uh, podcast we did too, we don't want to focus too much on uh, maybe the recipe itself, but more the uh, behind the scenes stuff, I think, is the feedback we got from the first one. So just kind of want to touch on some things here and there and we'll move we'll move through is that true we got feedback yeah i got some feedback you know yeah you ask and people will uh, generally tell you um no negative feedback that's good so i didn't learn anything from the first episode no nothing no that's not true i learned to eat dinner before we start <laughs> start calling <laughs> so you don't so you don't have to cook during it yeah yeah, <laughs> so, I ate, I ate cold Chinese food. Oh, all right. Well, nothing wrong with that. Um, I haven't eaten yet. I had a late lunch. It'll be fine. I'm just uh, taking a, a sips on uh, a back bread. Bread's back on the sauce as it is. Um, I was off the sauce for a little over a week uh, to prepare for surgery, but now I'm out of uh, out of harm's way and back on the sauce. So. I'm having some Abalor 12-year-old uh, today. And it sounds like you're making a drink as well. Is it alcoholic yeah, I just, in nature? Yeah, uh, I just had a little bourbon and lemonade. Mm. Um, it was some I.W. Harper, which I, I do like. Uh, but for whatever reason, it tasted like shit. Mm. Uh, just now, so I had to put some lemonade in it to, to get it down. And now I'm cracking into my, uh, my booze cabinet, my... Uh, my guest booze cabinet, mm. which is just like a bunch of, um, what do you call those things? What are, what are glass bottles called that you put alcohol in? <laughs> decanters? Yeah, it's a bunch of fancy decanters gotcha. and shit uh, that looks real nice and nobody can tell what booze is what because it's not labeled. <laughs> I'll have some of the brown, please. <laughs> yeah. I You know, the, the, way, that I, the way that I've... Uh, segmented it so to the, the way i keep it straight is that the gin goes into the heavily studded decanter mm. because it's it's complicated and the vodka goes into the plain square one because it's not complicated i do own one i th- i don't know its current location i don't think i've ever used it though um it was like uh God, I think my mother gave it to me. I think it was like one of those uh, free with opening a checking account type of giveaways. It's like, do you want the That's toast? Cool. Do you want the toaster or the crystal like 
uh, decanter. So, was this the 1960s? Oh God, man! I who knows how some of the things I get from her. Um, I don't know how long they've been sitting around. Like <laughs> she'll just come up with stuff like, "Here, we got this a while ago. Figured you might like it." <laughs> you want to know how I have all these decanters? I do. I got them from John's dad. Uh, because John's dad is retired, mm-hmm. and one of his hobbies is he goes thrifting, and he's been collecting literally for years uh, old cameras and decanters. And one day he woke up and was like, "Holy shit! I have a hundred decanters, <laughs> and I I don't really drink liquor." <laughs> it's a, huh. So he he sent some my way, sent some to the rest of our friends' way, uh, and now we all are fancy, fancy alcohol consumers with our fine decanters of various shapes and sizes. Do you keep it inside one of those globes where you slide it the top of the globe off and it reveals the decanters within? Bro, I have one of the. I got my my grandpa's beautiful uh, liquor cl- liquor globe. That's uh, awesome. Which the the uh, the the uh, pin mm-hmm. that holds the two globes together is missing, so I gotta I, I fashioned like a uh, a temporary repair, but I need to like legitimately fix it. But when my my grandfather passed away, I was like, I want the booze globe. Just give me the booze globe, <laughs> nothing else. I want to I honor see. his memory with the booze globe. Yeah, it's a it's a fine uh, it's a fine piece. I mean, it, it was made in Italy. Uh, in some other century, I think it's fancy. They're pretty cool. Yeah, I, I could see you in like a, a, a Hugh Hefner robe, sitting in a chair and in, in uh, where the shadows just falling on you with the booze globe globe open. Actually, there was a brief a brief series of episodes at one point where we were like pointing on that globe where this food came from. Because it was like a grossly out of date and inaccurate. Yes. Oh, so that's what that was. Yep. That's the booze globe. Gotcha. I do remember that. That was. Um. But those are all up. Was those those were episodes in your at your old house? I feel. No, like. actually, it was, was at here? this house. Okay. Um, when we first moved in, there were these hideous IKEA shelves in the kitchen, and we just threw a bunch of shit up there before we ripped them out of the wall. Gotcha. Uh, but actually, I have it behind me now in the office. Yeah. Cool. Booze Globe for the win. Yeah, Booze Globe. Booze Globe. All right, uh, moving on. I'll uh, Like I said, I'm going to mix in some fan questions. We got only a couple. Um, this one just cracks me up because it's from your buddies at Epic Couch Time, and they just want to know, what makes you so popular? What's the secret formula of PGC? Uh, I think that in to, – to not overcomplicate the answer, I think that in a world – that is extremely curated and like people are living many people are living rather inauthentic lives where they're really worried about how they look on social media and in their everyday lives our show keeps it real and we don't give too many fucks about too many things and i think that that authenticity translates well and it it feels relatable and approachable and the the piece of feedback that i get back and what really like keeps me engaged and like trying to keep making the show 
is the number of people who have like personally reached out to me and been like, man, uh, either I, I never knew how to cook or I used to cook and I got out of the habit and I watched a couple of shows and I was like, man, if this goofus can, can do it, I'm going to, I'm going to get back in the kitchen and, and do it. Uh, so I, I think that's what it is. I mean, it's a, uh, people like to jerk off about food and like just really take it to put, put it on its big pedestal. Uh, but God damn it, we gotta eat every day, and I, I think that if we can just take it down a notch, uh, there's 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 so much there's so much like um, variety and just like all kinds of cool shit out there that you can access without without uh, without you know killing yourself over it. <laughs> that, that's that's why I think that that it it, it translates well. I think and also it's silly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The fun part definitely helps. But I think also, um, uh, I guess it's on the, the idea of authenticity. It's it's not so contrived. Like, you watch a lot of the other stuff, and um, I don't know if creators think that, like, people can't tell bullshit or, like, swap-ins or when they fuck up, they start. You know what I mean? Like, PGC, it's, it's obviously edited, obviously, because there's jump cuts, which also makes it hilarious. Just jump cut to jump cut with no transitions. It's just like, hey, we're looking at Phil's head. Now we're over here. But um, it's not edited in a way where it makes it look like you're fooling people or, you know, something you didn't work and you substituted something else and it did work. Um, you know, it's, it's none of that, like, crazy. It's it's literally just, um, like, if there was a director's cut, it would look the same. Meaning the, yeah. th- the three hours that you shot is still... Uh, accurate to the well, maybe I should say it the other way around. The twenty minutes that comes out is still accurate to the three hours that you shot. There's no shenanigans, and I think and people can tell the difference between you know content that is that way versus content that's you know pasteurized and it's just awful. Um, so that's I mean I don't want to answer for you, but I think that's part of it. At least that's uh, I think uh, what drew me to it like three ish years ago or something like that was um there's no there's no bullshit filter on it which i enjoy so yep yeah i mean honestly at this point we've we long 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 time ago made everything that i knew how to make on the regular so you know for a long time now it's been like okay i'm a fairly normal person and i'm gonna try to make this based on you know a, a relatively limited amount of research and it's probably it's probably the first time that I've tried to make it, and it, maybe it's gonna turn out okay, and maybe it's not. And that's it, it's like a for me it's now it's like a journey every time. Like, well, is this is this gonna be good or not? Mm-hmm. And I, I I think that's kind of fun. Uh, and you know I joke about it being something where we're like I I, I kind of facetiously say we're learning together, but really I'm just stumbling through the steps and probably fucking it up uh but yeah i that's that's a big part of why i like to do it it's almost like this this regular creative process that we're documenting and sometimes it comes out great and other times i learn from my mistakes and uh what i like too is the conclusion so um if you don't like something, you say you don't like it. Or, I mean, you're a little bit kinder than that. You're more like, 
if this is something you like, maybe you'll want to eat this, but it's not for me. (laughs) You're a little bit more judicious about it, but um, that's great too. Because every other, you know, all right, not every other. I I don't want to lump every other content provider into a group, but um, most of the cooking content, even the silly stuff, um, you know, if it's like binging with Babish or like, you know, some of those real huge, you know, channels, uh, everything they make is the best thing they've ever eaten in their life. You know, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, other than when he's recreating food from like movies and stuff, then he always says it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes his version and his version's amazing. But, you know, what's nice is like, you'll like, all right, so somebody told me to try this recipe. I made it. Maybe you like this. I don't. Thanks for watching. <laughs> well, a, a big part of the, a big part of that is that you know, a lot of food is tied to different people's cultures, and a lot of appre- appreciation for food is, you know, tied to the experience of growing up eating it, and you know, maybe your mom made it or your grandma or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I try to be sensitive of not shitting on other people's experiences. Like, uh, this is this. There's no way anyone could ever like this. It's just this is this is objectively bad uh and and, you know i I also am cognizant of my own you know limitations as a as a person of like you know i'm i try to keep a really open mind but you know there are some things i probably can't enjoy and maybe someone else has has learned how to do it uh so even even on like the the ones where stuff doesn't turn out that great or i just don't like it you know, I, I do feel like I learned something, so that's that's why I try to like keep it fairly fairly positive because it's still worth trying to like go through those motions uh, because clearly, like if a recipe exists, uh, like it's been it's it's bubbled up to the surface of someone's culture, mm-hmm. uh, like there's some merit to it. I mean, and I can appreciate that. And some some die off, you know, like the hot dogs and Jello type stuff or. Uh... What was it your grandmother's mung sauce with the? Oh, all- that mung sauce is legit. That, <laughs> that shit, we gotta bring that shit back. It's good. Well, then uh, that'd be a great filler episode. Because was it like four ingredients stirred together? I uh, I don't even think it's that many. Perfect. <laughs> we'll, we'll call it a Friday, and we can leave it as a filler. That'd be a great. All right, so that's a uh, that's my suggestion for upcoming. Uh, okay. we'll, moving on. Um, so next episode we'll get into is duck noodle soup. Um, and I think I was with you when you got those ducks. So those were those the ones that you picked up? I think when we were, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Jimbo cut me a deal. Yeah, on some uh, some baby ducks. Well, they weren't baby ducks. They were of the right. They just didn't uh, fill out quite like you thought. Um, so that's where this rep- uh, episode comes from. But uh, we start off the episode, and uh, again, if you guys are watching any of Phil's Twitch streams, we did talk about this in the Twitch chat about the uh, the white claw recipe. Uh, or maybe it was in the Dick Sword. I don't remember. I feel like it was Twitch though. Um, so we're just gonna remove. We're gonna review uh, Phil's uh, White Claw uh, money saving recipe. It's a good. Value. Here's a recipe for you kids, you young kids. All right, this is trendy. I'm gonna teach you how to make a White Claw. Okay. First, you get a glass. Ice optional. Fruit optional. Actually, that's not in White Claw. But I gotta have the fruit. You know what my uh, number one fruit consumed is? Kids at home? Slimes. I eat more limes than anything else. That's why I don't have scurvy. All right, here's your your white claw. You take your vodka, or you could use malt liquor. You put it in. Now add a fizzy water, flavor of your choice. This one's Waterloo Lime. 
Cool, Stern, congratulations. You now have a white claw. You probably paid, what, what, $2? $1.50 for that white claw? Or if you want to buy me, $5. Maybe more. Toy five cent. Value white claw. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's many things we learn here. One, uh, uh, that's just good uh, budget, home budgeting. Fantastic. Uh, that's right. Home economics. Yes, home ec. Yes, you can get drunk and fight scurvy at the same time. Um, and if you didn't already know it, Phil's favorite fruit was the lime, which I think a lot of us know. Speaking of which, and I think we've talked about this before, the rising price of limes. How about I bought a lime today? 59 cents. Tiny oh, little lime. Oh, man. Be, oh, my, I feel my blood pressure rising. <laughs> I get so mad when limes are expensive. It's bullshit. It was, it was a good, it was, um, I don't know. They're the small, I was at the uh, Asian market, um, and it, you know, they're, they're like the, I don't, they're not like kefir limes or anything, but they're the smaller limes too. So maybe because it's an Asian lime, but it come, there's, you know. Key lime? No, no, it wasn't a key lime, but no, it was fine. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was, it was really ripe. That part was good. I probably got a, t I got a lot of juice out of it, but I didn't get 59 cents worth of good juice out of that That's freaking highway lime. robbery. I, that makes me so angry. Uh, lime prices make me so <laughs> irrationally angry. I don't, you know what? I've gotten over lemons. I get it. Lemons are bigger. Maybe you got to charge more for those. Like sometimes you pay a dollar for a lemon. I still think that's that I'm getting fleeced. But the limes, man, when it's it's a 59 cent. I've seen 79 cent limes. Yeah. And I've just... It just makes me so mad because other other times they're like, here's ten limes for a dollar, and I'm like, well, I'll take a hundred, thank you. Yeah, when they have the uh, like in the grocery, they have those uh, the lime bags, and it's like a two pound bag of limes. It's like two dollars or fifty nine cents each. Fifty nine cents. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit lime. Fuck the fucking the lime. Uh, what I don't know what you want to call them. I think that I think it's all a scam. I think people are betting on limes futures. I think that the the economy's going going south, and the limes are, are going to be what finally tips us over the edge. It's not the trade war with China; it's the limes. Um. So yes. Yeah, fuck so fifty nine cents limes. That's bullshit. Yeah, the fifty nine cents. Seventy nine cent limes. The fuck any. All right. What's an acceptable lime price? I will pay thirty nine cents for a lime. As an individual lime. And three for three for a dollar or thirty nine cents a piece. The, the yeah, I, I would. I'm fairly fairly similar. Three for a dollar, I'm like okay, that's fine. Uh, Fifty cents, I'm like, mm, fine, but I'm not happy about it. Twenty five cents, I'm like that's 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 a good value. That's a great value. Uh, for anything me. under twenty five cents, I'm like, let me just buy all these limes. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I hold all these lives? What what a great meme! What a great meme! One of the greatest memes of all time. How can what? How can I hold all these lives? Why can't I hold all these lives? <laughs> well, now that you got the pickup, you could just back it up to the front of the uh, the produce section. Yeah, could I? Could you just give me a a, a pallet of limes, please? <laughs> don't don't worry, I'll, I'll give use you five dollars for yeah. it. <laughs> You want to sell some limes? I'm your guy. They don't. They don't make memes like that anymore. <laughs> Why can't I hold all these limes? Memes are depressing these days. But that guy, that guy, he's trying to hold a lot of limes, and he was <laughs> laughing at himself. I'm gonna pull that up right now. Why can't I hold all these limes? 
Look at that. He's so he's he's just he's he's so he's in the moment. He's like, this is a, an absolutely ludicrous situation. He's got <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, probably ten limes or more, and he can't hold all of that's them. That's a it's just too many limes. Now listen, if he was paying your prices, that's five dollars and ninety cents right there. Mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. It's not a good value. That's not a good value. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh no! Oh no! Google image searches. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Are you... I found another guy. Mm-hmm. I found another guy. He's a. It's a response meme. Mm. It says, "Come, friend, I will teach you." And this guy's got like thirty limes on hooks in his skin. Oh. Huh. This is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen on the internet. I just shared the why can't I hold all these limes meme on Facebook. <laughs> that's what cool kids do, right? <laughs> Share memes on social media. <laughs> the good old days. Um, let's see. Oh, where were Oh, this is an actual episode we're talking about. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck 59 cent lines, but uh, so that's your white claw recipe. Um, and yeah, uh, oh, speaking of this too, how mad do you think the guy who invented Zima is right now? Seeing all this alcoholic sparkling water, I mean, he's just um, just a little too early. I don't. Who is the guy who invented Zima? Is it Mister Zima? Coors Brewery Company. That guy sounds familiar. Zima Claremont is a clear, lightly carbonated. Made by Coors. It was just Coors. Coors was ahead of the times. Setting trends they didn't even know existed yet. You ever you ever listen to podcasts, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, Phil, I do. Please yeah. please tell me there's, more. There's a good one called Mission to Zix. It's a improvised sci-fi. Mm. And in their, you know, uh, like, obviously, it's a Star Trek, Star Wars-type uh, parody knockoff. But in their universe, the Jedi Knights are called Zima Knights. <laughs> <laughs> are they paid in Zima? Is no, that the, they they use the, the space, I think. They use space instead of force, but mm. they're Zima Knights. Hmm. Sounds like a must-listen. I mean, it's better it's than a good show. I highly recommend it. It's better than the shit we do. <laughs> oh, certainly. I mean, they have nights and shit. Fuck this shit. They, uh, they've got the scale. They've got like a, a full orchestra that records their music and shit. Oh, nice. Hey, we have a guy in Texas who wrote our theme song. And it was it was it's pretty nice. See, I feel like it's a even playing field. So, hmm. So back to the ducks. God damn, this is a distraction. Anyway, um, you might have to actually edit this episode. <laughs> it's here's the thing though. Like I always think this while we're doing, like while we're talking. I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. Uh, but then when I re-listen for the editing, um, a lot of times, well, a lot of times I'm like changing levels on things. But uh, I'll listen for the edit, and I'm like, no, it's making me laugh because of how fucking stupid this. is. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that, Brett, because the filming process is not that different. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, boy, this is well. We'll get to that. I think that's called the chicken parm episode. Yeah. <laughs> so that one's that one's coming up second to last. But so let's wrap up uh, the duck noodle one. So uh, we decided we didn't to... talk about this at all. I know. I know. Let's go here. So spatchcocking again. I think you know I've talked about it before. Favorite method for especially uh, quick cooking any poultry. Plus, when you remove the spine, you get to make those predator noises, the clicking. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's you know that's a bonus. Um, so spatchcocking a bird, uh, highly recommend uh, that that is the preferred method for high heat cooking of any, and it, it just saves. I don't know how much, even a, like a large chicken, um, you save the the amount of time you save by spatchcocking is it's amazing. I'm actually thinking um, this year about trying to do a spatchcock turkey, um, doing a brine and then doing a spatchcock turkey on the smoker instead to shave some time off. Um, I have I have done it. How'd it turn out? <clears throat> Superior to a conventionally cur- uh, cooked turkey. I've mm-hmm. actually done it a couple times, a couple ways. You would, um, you would think so, right? Because the la- with less time, there's less drying out. Yeah, overall. it's just straight up. It's just straight up better. Yeah. Uh, and actually, uh, some Christmas I can't tell you how many years ago, but in not not too long ago. Uh, I got tasked with cooking a Christmas turkey by my mother uh, for a fairly large family gathering. And cooking in my mom's kitchen, is a, it's a struggle because uh, she's she doesn't cook that much. And so she's got limited tools, uh, you know, mm. so it's it's like it's like my version of primitive technology. where I'm <laughs> like, you know, what am I going to slap together that's going to make this OK? And also, my mom bought, like, the biggest fucking turkey you could <laughs> imagine. So I spatchcocked that thing, and I had to spread it out over two full-sized cookie sheets. Damn. And it came out incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, that It's definitely the way to go. Highly recommend. Yep. Then... Why can't I hold all these slimes? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I know that feeling. So when I go over, um, my father does not know how to cook. He claims it's he purposely never learned so that he wouldn't have to do it. it it's just he's old and he doesn't want to admit that he never learned how. So he can't. Uh, my mother does not like to cook. And so I'll normally have to cook when I'm there, um, especially grilling. My mother's scared of a grill. She's scared to use grills. So they, my father went and bought a grill against her wishes because he likes grilled food he doesn't grill she won't grill so whenever i come over we're grilling um but when i have she'll be like all right we'll make burgers i'm like here i got uh, onions and tomatoes and stuff i'm like right, cool I'll, I'll chop it up um you know where i don't know where anything is in the kitchen anymore um you know it's been like 20 years since i lived in their house but uh like i need a knife and a cutting board and she'll literally like get down a dinner plate and hand me a steak knife I'm like, what is, I don't like big knives. Oh, they no. seem dangerous. I'm like, no, I, it's actually the other way around. <laughs> using an undersized knife to cut vegetables is a hell of a lot more dangerous than using a chef's knife. And it's like a doll. The steak knives she normally gives me are ones that they got um, as either an engagement or a wedding present back in like 1971, something like that. Um, bro, <laughs> bro, same. That's literally my my mom's got steak knives, and they're from her wedding. Or <laughs> I don't know. They it's it's like it's like try, trying to cut 
maybe something made out of rubber cement <laughs> with something else that's also made out of rubber cement. <laughs> How cook? Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and that's the, uh, apparently we share that challenge. Um, uh, okay, moving through the episode again. Uh, actually, I just, I pulled this clip. Again, it has nothing really to do with the, uh, the cooking, and it has more to do with uh, uh, PGC itself. I ain't even chopping it finely. You wanna know why? Because it's not a big deal to me. Get a lot of feedback on the show. People describe me as apathetic. Apathetic, can you believe that? That's not, it, 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 I don't feel like that's fair. I do care. I am pathetic, as it were. Pro-pathetic, super pathetic. And other uh, prefixes added to pathetic. I think what they, when uh, people use that term, apathetic, they think that I, they mean it in a casual sense of like, it's a non-serious approach to cooking. But I just wanna, just for, like, let the record show. I'm not an apathetic person. I really give a shit about a lot of things. So much so that, like, I was thinking, maybe we do a video that's things Phil cares about. And I'll just talk for a couple minutes about things I care about. And we won't do it all the time. It won't be a replacement for, for any of those things. But what if I talked about, uh, you know, income inequality or something, some shit like that, just once. Just, just I, I just I talked about something in a serious manner. Would you watch that? Would you unsubscribe? Would you help us meet our goal of keeping this channel as small as possible? <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot was covered there. <laughs> you addressed the apathy, which I think we talked about in the beginning with the what makes uh, PGC successful, and maybe it can be. Uh, uh, misconstrued as apathy, but it's uh, honesty, not apathy. Um, but then uh, you know you touched on the what's uh, what things that really matter to Phil. So are we uh, are we actually going to see that in the future? Or was that more of a um, spur of the moment thought? Uh, it was that was um, that was jostled out of the the soup of my brain because like like it, in a really short time period. A bunch of people used that word about me at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, they were like, oh, I love how apathetic you are. And I'm like, well, I don't feel that way about myself. But it happened so many times in a short window that I was like, do I, I gotta, I gotta like tell people I'm not apathetic and that I do care about things. And only in the context of like, uh, PGC is like this weird weird part of my life that is almost like counterpoint to every other part of my life uh and, and in many ways it's like a channel that um like the shit head in me can thrive or like i can let out I, I i can be in every other part of my life i can be like a professional you know regular person and not not necessarily polished person but you know normal and then on PGC, I can be a maniac and an idiot and silly, and that that's very therapeutic. Uh, but uh, that that part of me is very much part of me. Um, but it is it is a it is I actually take offense to the idea that I am apathetic uh, because that is not the case. Um, you know, I the work that I do it, it, every day uh, is very meaningful to me. Uh, the relationships I have in my life are very meaningful to me, uh, and I put tons and tons and tons of effort into them. And uh, 
being able to to be silly uh, and cook in a silly way and and say silly shit uh, like counterbalances that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't I don't in, in all seriousness think that there's um, much of an appetite for listening to me talk about things that. I do genuinely care about mm. uh, on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, but in the work that I do in my daily life, I literally tell people what I am worried about, what I care about, what I think they should do. I'm a consultant. I mean, I, I, that's literally what I do. Uh, is I think strategically about things, um, and I try to translate it into terms that like people can digest. And so that that's that's really the only. That's that's why it, it bubbled up to the the surface was that like I it, it was so bizarre like in this like three day period of time I got like ten different people in different contexts who were like you're so apathetic and funny I'm like fuck you no I'm not <laughs> stop stop laughing at me I am I do care about things <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's all it's all part of everyone has different aspects of themselves. And uh, on PGC, I have chosen to just be silly and share the, the maniac piece of myself. But something that I, I think has come up time and time again uh, that could be perhaps like a happy medium in between is that over the years, many, many different people have come on the show. Uh, and because we've had so many different people involved, um, there's this perception that I have like a million friends mm. and that I'm just everybody's friend, which, which is not true, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> that sounds like it'd be exhausting. Yeah, I can't I can't keep up with that many people. Um, but something that we have actually had requested time and time again is how do I make friends? Mm. And I think that I could probably give some pointers on that. Uh, in in a fairly you know silly not too serious PGC way, uh, and that might actually translate well. And I think it it probably would be much more well received than actually talking about you know geopolitical problems or you know what I think the economy is going to do or whatever. Just that, so that qu- if if anything, that's that's what I'm thinking about. That question made me sad. <laughs> it made my soul hurt. How do I make for the fact that somebody has to ask that's so sad, but, um, well, and that's, that's the thing. Like, uh, it's, it's come up over the years time and time again. Uh, you know, commenter over after commenter has been like, I like watching this show because I see you hanging out with this people having a good time and everyone's, you know, laughing. And I just wish that I could have that. Hmm. And what I would tell those people is that, you can, you you can absolutely have that, uh, but you know it doesn't just happen by accident. Uh, you know I, I did not I did not start a YouTube channel and then just had like a, a pile of people line up to be like, oh I'm gonna sign up to laugh and have a good time on the show. Like it, it genuinely takes effort mm-hmm. to get people to do things uh, and friendship. Just it takes it takes work. Like you have to invest in other people. Like you have to give a shit about other people, uh, and that's not easy to do. Oh yeah, Fr- friendships uh, is is work. There's no way around it. But the the difference is, I think their reward is a lot higher. So the the, the amount of effort that you put in, I think you get out tenfold than just uh, 
uh, from your friends back. So, but yeah, you're right. It's work. Um, what's the like the old programming? Uh, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So if you're not putting any effort into a friendship, you can't really expect much in return either. So, yeah. Well, well, that'll be interesting. Um, I don't want to get into it, like you said. Don't want to get into it here. But no, I think that'd be a, I think that'd be a good little tangent. I think that'd be good. I feel like it would fit in the uh, almost like the the wholesome lore of PGC. <laughs> Phil, the man that's friends with all of Central Ohio, teaches you how to also have friends. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, so I feel like I feel like I'm gonna run that idea by by John, and he'll be like, "That's dumb." <laughs> <laughs> Just keep cooking. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of friends, so I would like to break up the episode talk um, uh, with the Aussie report. So that's where we'll head next. So again, our friend Hinks, who's in the mentioned the Parm uh, episode. Uh, he uh, submitted another Aussie report for us, and this time he just, instead of uh, talking about meat pies, um, he went on a little beer commentary for us. So that's that's where we're going to head now. This week I'd like to talk about beer, specifically the beer known as Foster's. Beer. Foster's, Australian for beer. Nobody in Australia actually drinks Foster's. It's available if you look for it, sure. But I'm 36 year old now, meaning I've legally been drinking beer for the past 18 years. And the only time I can ever remember seeing Foster's on tap or on draft for the Americans is when I did a tour of the brewery that actually produces the stuff. And even then they didn't seem too keen on it. Other than that, the only time I've had a Foster's is ironically when I've been overseas. From Las Vegas to North Dakota to London, it never fails to get a laugh when the Aussie bloke cracks open a Foster's. Now seeing as I'm usually quite a few beers deep when this seems like a good idea, I can't for the life of me remember what a Foster's actually tastes like. So in front of me right now I have some Foster's. It took some finding, I had to go to four different bottle loads before I found any in stock. So without further ado, let's crack a Foster's and see what all the fuss is about. Now for reference, this isn't one of those big fuck off oil cans. I've never seen one of those here and I had a hard enough time finding a human sized can of the stuff, let alone one of those things. There's that old Monty Python joke that American beer is like having sex in a canoe because it's fucking close to water. And to be honest, I don't think this is much better. It's just nothing. It's like soda water. There's no unique twist or flavour. I guess it would be refreshing on a hot day as it's good and sessionable, but it's not very carbonated so it's going down smoothly, about as smooth as water. I could see downing six of these without flinching. I'd equate it to Budweiser, but even Bud has a weird sweetness to it. Look, it's okay, but there are just so many better Aussie beers out there that I'd recommend over Foster's. You've got your, your Young Henry's, your Bolter, your Stone and Wood, your Hop Nation, Colonial. Oh, I'd take a VB over this. It's just, it's fine, but it's just, it's nothingness. And, and that's my thoughts for the episode. As usual, I'll send through some photos. Hopefully Brett can work out where to put them this time. Uh, worst comes to worst, I'll post them in the podcast channel of the PGC Discord. In the meantime, I go by Parmadays on all social media. That's P-A-R-M-A-D-A-Z-E. And that'll cover you on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Google, pretty much anything you can think of. Catch you next time. So that's our boy reporting on Fosters. And then uh, f- first, 36-year-old makes me... They don't they don't, uh, don't pluralize that one. That one made me giggle. And then... Uh, Bottlers. I'm assuming that's uh, where they buy their beverages. Shrug. 
So that's... I thought he said bottle O's. Is that I... which sounds? It sounds more Australian. Bottle, I went down bottle, to the bottle O's. <laughs> the bottle O's. <laughs> just... I'm sorry for that. That horrible horrible version of australian accent yeah but you know that that's revenge for his uh american parmesan last time. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not wrong <laughs> it's not off uh but yeah fosters i the last time and it's funny i maybe i don't remember when that when i remember the commercials but i don't remember how old i was when they first came out and if i was of drinking age or not um but I, last time I had a Foster's is probably five years ago, and it was because it was at a sporting event, an outdoor sporting event, and it was the largest beer they had, so I didn't have to make multiple trips. Everything was in uh, uh, cans or those uh, plastic bottles, you know, like the PET plastic that are made to look like a bottle, and they had the uh, Foster's oil cans for like $8, and I was like, I'll take that. Because it's 32 ounces, I think. And I don't have to make a second trip. But, uh, yeah, I've never had Foster's on purpose. I don't know. Have you ever purpose- purposefully? <laughs> I I have to share the sentiment that I have no memory of the taste. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will share a slightly bizarre memory. Uh, way back from my uh, adolescence. Uh, my first job was working at Meyer as a general merchandise clerk and eventually I ended up in the garden center and there was this co-worker who I think his name was Gary um, but he was like this roly-poly guy with like uh, a really bad haircut <laughs> and he wore like these khaki shorts pulled up like past his waist and he was just completely fucking useless he was just like a total fuck up and he's the kind of thing that, like, when you're a young kid working in a grocery store, you're like, I got to go to college because I, I can't. This I can't, is I can't my be Gary. If, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't be this guy. Uh, but he was just completely useless all the time. Uh, but I would say, like, one out of two shifts, he would clock out and he would buy himself a big old can of Foster's. <laughs> and I was like, this guy... Is a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been avoiding Fosters ever since. Not, not the best commercial for Fosters, I'm sure. <laughs> Do you want to be a a loser like Gary? Enjoy a Fosters. <laughs> yeah, I, I flavor wise, I don't even know if I could tell you. I, I'm a. It's got to just taste like what they call the American adjunct lager, which is like. Regular Budweiser, regular Coors, like that fizzy yellow beer flavor. When somebody says you want a beer and they hand you a beer and you drink it, you're like, yeah, that tastes like beer. That's probably what what I would think. Because if it if it didn't leave any uh, impression on me, good or bad, probably means it just tasted like a beer. So I mean, yeah, that's that's probably it. But uh, thanks thanks Lee for the Fosters, um, and it sounds like both. Uh, us Americans and uh, the Aussies are uh, in alignment on the <laughs> on on Fosters. Well, you know what? You know what I have to say to Lee. Good on you. <laughs> he went where we weren't going to go. <laughs> I don't want a Fosters, <laughs> and you can't. I don't you can't because of Gary. So <laughs> I think we should all live our lives with the goal of avoiding Fosters. 
<laughs> I can get on board with that. So after our Aussie report, um, we'll get back into a couple more episodes. We got to get through. Got to get through. Well, it sounds like it's a real struggle, doesn't it? That we are ha- having a wonderful time. The pleasure of discussing, you know. Uh, so we'll talk about the beans and cornbread episode, which uh, any anytime I even say it, the stupid song gets stuck in my head and it makes me furious. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite thing about that whole song, and I don't even know if I got to work it into the episode or not, because sometimes sometimes John's got me on that hurry up and cook mm. mode. My favorite thing about that song is the background singers who just go, <laughs> beans, <laughs> beans. I liked uh... like some, 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 some crew of fine gentlemen got paid some some good money to just go beans <laughs> there's some guy out out in the hall pushing your broom hey come in here a minute we need somebody to say beans <laughs> i'm imagine, on it in, imagine interviewing for that job can you sing the word beans <laughs> sure what's well, what's what style <laughs> i'm very versatile <laughs> Yeah, it's I love the so John edited in like the beginning of Beans and Cornbread and he did the old uh keep it under three seconds so it can't be hit with a yep. cop, copyright yeah, strike. Fly under the radar. <laughs> I loved it. It's like Bloop. wait what? <laughs> it's like the ha, take that algorithm. <laughs> so uh beans and cornbread. So the beginning of it, uh we talk about quick soaking beans, which is again uh I'm a big fan of uh as well. I don't do this overnight soak stuff, but so the the first clip we're going to get into is just uh, uh, talking about quick soaking of beans. So to quick soak, you put the beans in the pot. You put some uh, water on them beans and uh, you, you boil them. Then you just bring it to a boil, then you turn it off the heat and you leave it for an hour. Which is why I wanted to do it before anyone uh, got here. So I'm going to strain my beans. These have been quick soaked. Now do you actually need to do this? I read some some science on the internet that said no, you don't got to do this. But probably most- oh god. Probably most critically, I read somewhere, and again, I don't know if this is true science or fake science. They said that if you don't soak them, the sugar is on the beans that cause uh, farts persist. So by by uh, soaking them, it could alleviate the gas from your ass. So being the uh, the kind friend that I am, and knowing that I was going to share these beans with my friends, I soaked. <laughs> so since uh, you know, there's no. Uh, behind the scenes that fall or a follow-up episode did it work um, to limit the musical quality of the fruit what what a personal question these <laughs> these are the, the heavy hitting episodes these are the heavy hitting questions that make you an award-winning journalist That's, uh yes you know what's funny is uh, my degree was uh it kind of parallels a journalism <laughs> Well, I, took over, I took over. I took over lapping classes. You go. This is, uh, you're doing a great job. <laughs> but all I want to know is, is you you made a claim, okay? And and you're instructing people to go out there rinse their beans, you know, so that they don't have uh, gastrointestinal distress. You want you want to know the the true facts? Yes. I have not farted a single time since we filmed that episode. <laughs> not once. And you can take that to the bank. <laughs> Never during a morning stretch. Nothing. You you do morning stretches? Yeah. Calisthenics? No, not not like full, but you don't do the old crickety bones, get the arms, legs, you know, let's get ready for the day. You gotta, okay. Oh, 
I've never not related to something so hard. <laughs> yeah, man. When I wake up in the morning, I get ready for the day, and that's, that's, farting that's, is not a part of that. That's well, I, I'm not including the fart as part of the routine. I'm, I'm not saying that's it's it's not stretch as cap of the fart. I'm just saying sometimes you know, nature happens. But no, yeah, you get out, you you know, you give the old the old shoulders. And I don't get really. The leg. All right. Fine. Or understand. Okay. Well, I guess Are you must. Are you okay? I, <laughs> I don't own a sleep number bed. Maybe that's the issue. Those commercials that, suggest oh, it. Oh, yeah, sleep number. <laughs> yeah. No, wait. Is that what I have? I don't even know. I got one of those adjustable beds. Could be. The ones where Can you. Can we s- talk about that? No. We haven't. Do I have a sleep number? What the fuck kind of bed do I have? <laughs> does it have a little remote next to it and you set it on a does. dial? It what? does, but I, I feel like is sleep number there's another brand, isn't there? Uh maybe. I don't know. I have a Sealy Tempurpedic. I have old school whatever. Uh in top. Uh, how do I Google this? <laughs> sleep number alternative. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be those those shitty Casper mattresses where it shows up in like a four inch by four inch box and you cut it open and it turns into a mattress. I feel like there's some other brand because, I mean, there could be. Well, I'm I think, I think one of the majors either Sealy or you know like one of those. I think they make an like an adjustable. This is bed. now a mattress podcast. <laughs> yeah. Do you just have like an old, uh, like a 70s creepy waterbed? Is that what you're thinking? No. No. Do you have dual zone adjustment? Where they're like, dude, I must have a sleep number. Do you like it? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'll get a sleep number and then I won't have to do my morning stretches that sometimes make you fart because apparently you don't fart if you sleep on a sleep number. I, I have a sleep number. It is confirmed. Because I googled sleep number remote and it looks like the remote that I use. Well, then there we go. Phil has a sleep number. It, he endorses oh, dude, it. It's fucking great. Like so, it's 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 a uh, great technology. Uh, you can you got like a, a pillow top on top of an air mattress. That's essentially how it works. And every component of that mattress is replaceable. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus a conventional mattress where you like your fat ass is on that for a couple of years and it's fucked. But with the sleep, the sleep number, you can be like, "Well, I've uh, I've fucked up this mattress. Let me just put some more air in it." Mm-hmm. And as you as you uh, as you fix it, it it fixes you. But the creepiest part, though, of it is that you're supposed to do this weird like body adjustment, mm-hmm. where to calibrate the mattress on your side, you're supposed to completely deflate it, and then fully inflate it. And then reduce it down to the size that you want. Now, when you fully deflate it, it's very casket-like. <laughs> because you're you're basically completely inside the mattress. <laughs> and every time I've done that, I'm like, I'm dead. This is what being dead's like. And then, uh, as if on cue, uh, you, you put on a little music. Maybe that song, <laughs> You Raise Me Up. Mm. You lift it out of the casket. You've got a new lease on life. And then it's too hard and your back hurts, but then you reduce it and you feel great. That's how – that's my pitch for the sleep number mattress. And I, I, I am in the – well, I was in the market for a new mattress uh, 
I have some medical bills I have to pay first. But after that, it's probably my next big purchase. So it's super fucking good, dude. It, uh, uh, what what do you think the average life of a regular mattress is? Do you sell these, Phil? Is this really where this is headed? Is this? Is this a- I do not sell these mattresses, and I'm not paid by any mattress company. I think my mattress, I think, is 15 years old, so that's why it's due. Starting okay. to get, starting to get that crater. I believe the average life of a sleep number mattress is like 20 years or 25 years, something, something absurd. Mm-hmm. And that's original parts. You can fucking swap out the parts. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm sold. They have it's the stores. Value. So. Yeah, I, I probably do need some sort of adjustable thing. Like this mattress, this was like a, this was purchased for me without my input. I had made a comment uh, that I needed a new mattress. I'm like, oh, look, I bought you a new mattress. It's like, cool. How do you buy a mattress for somebody without knowing firmness that they enjoy? Well, it, it's not bad, but it's not, I wouldn't have chosen it. But it's also a good mattress. So it's like, I'm not going to just replace it. But it's time. Um, speaking of sponsorships, though, since it is a beans and cornbread episode, I think it's time we take a moment aside not to talk about Sleep Number, but to talk about our sponsor, Goya. Um, so, Goya, if you, if you are listening, again, um, we are still waiting for the, the, the check. Um, I don't know if he sent it to the wrong address. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, I, I dug out in the, uh, the Goya archives a fantastic Goya promotion uh, ad. Uh, that ran in 1985 um, that just, you can just shoehorn it right into this episode. So that's that's where I go. So uh, uh, please take a moment and pause as, as, as we have a word from our sponsor, Goya. Good. You have a can of Goya beans in the house, but are you tossing them into your salad tonight? Tossing them into your tuna? Adding them to your meatballs, your soup, your rice? Good. You're not just knocking them out with great taste. You're giving them fantastic nutrition. High potassium like banana. High fiber like bran. High protein like meat. But no cholesterol. Now, if one can of Goya beans in the house is so good, what if you had the whole Goya beanery? Goya. Oh, boy. Goya. Oh, boy. Are you tossing their beans into tuna? No. I've never put beans in my I feel profoundly uncomfortable. <laughs> you, I'll have to send you the YouTube link of the woman in the ad. It's it's so creepy. <laughs> I, I got. I just have one question. Yeah. What if you did not send me that link? <laughs> but you know, not the best part is her. Um, you can hear the recording. The she just starts sarcastically clapping into the camera about you adding uh, nutrition to your family's food. She's like, good. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, tossing them in your meatballs. Those no. were the days where everyone was on some, you know, like, you know, opium derivative. <laughs> so that's, that's a word for bar sponsor, Goya. I just figured, you know, she's talking about beans. We're talking about beans, and it fit perfectly. It feels great. It, <laughs> it feels great. It feels really good. Oh, shit. Waiting on that check. <laughs> so, uh, and I never know how to say uh, the username. Do you, do you say it's Moisha, or do you say Moish? Our, our, Moishi. Our, Moishi? Okay. I don't know. I don't know either. Well, Moishi. He, he just wanted to know, his only question was, quote, how long did that massive fucking pot of beans last? <laughs> I... Um, 
I feel like we ate most of them the first night, like legit, because we we didn't we didn't uh, serve up anything with it. So we we ate most of them beans on the first night. Mm-hmm. It didn't last long at all. I love. Uh, there was a. Um, it's since closed, but uh, off campus uh, where I went to school, there was a uh, like a New Orleans themed cafe. And they always did the Monday uh, red rice and beans with grilled cornbread on the side. And f- for, I think, like five bucks. But you got like a mountain, you know, like the mountain of red beans plus the rice and corn. I got to like every time. It's amazing. Like, it, it is, it's a good meal. Like, just a big old pile of red beans are freaking delicious. It does make a hell of yeah. a good meal. But, yeah. Yeah, I... They probably, we probably just, went through the... Especially, you know, if Courtney gets home or whatever and... Yeah. Yeah, man. We just we just ate it. It it didn't take long at all. Mm-mm. I was I was um, many times on PGC. I make something and I am underwhelmed. Mm. I was I was thoroughly whelmed across <laughs> the board on that episode. The beans were incredible. The cornbread was incredible, and my garden tomatoes always incredible. It was just so good. Everything was good and everything was right, and I was happy. So where do you sit on the sweet versus non-sweet cornbread? Where are you on that I, side? I like both. Uh, you know, it's... I, I don't like it when it's too sweet. I'm kind mm. of a little bit anti-sugar. Uh, I don't have a huge sweet tooth. Mm. Um, but there can be sweetness in cornbread, and I'll enjoy it. Uh, it can be completely non-sweet, and I'll enjoy it. I just fucking love cornbread. Yeah, I like it. I like it sweeter, but I don't like it where it's... Uh, like approaching like corn muffin sweetness, you know, yeah. where, you know, it's where it's almost like a dessert. It's like a corn cupcake, but I do like. I don't really like. Um, I know a lot of the southern cornbread, like you get at like a barbecue place, is like yep. there's no sweetness. But I also like, um, I like like a, which I think on yours did where you get corn, almost like a crust on the top because you're doing like cast iron on cover. But then I like um, either grilling it. Uh, just to heat up like that layer, and then with, I like a little honey on it, so I'm going to add a little honey anyway. So the cornbread itself yeah. doesn't need to be. Over, I like it with sweet. honey too. Yeah, that's good. Um, but then you get to control it yourself. But yeah, I, I think I want a little bit of. Sh- I think uh, the way you did it too, where it's just uh, a little, where you kind of split the difference, is probably probably where I sit on that too. I I have to admit that many times I try to do what I did with that cornbread. Well, I look at like 10 different recipes and I'm like, let me just take some kind of average between these and turn it into something and hope for the best. Of all the times I've done that for that cornbread recipe, that cornbread was so fucking good <laughs> that I was I, I felt like I unlocked some like holy ratio <laughs> of, of cornbread recipe. Like it was, it was everything I could want out of a cornbread. Do you normally use the cast iron? Was that a new variable? Uh, dude, I ain't be making cornbread on the regular. That, that, you know, I know I've done it before, but not in any kind of rememberable mm-hmm. or memorable experience. Uh, so it was, it was very much of like, let me see what it's like when I make it, versus all the other times I've had it from other people, other restaurants, etc. And it was better. Sweet. I haven't, uh, I'm normally make, I'll be honest. I don't normally make cornbread from a recipe. I buy the, a lot of times if I'm going to make, I use, oh, it was that Krusty's, Krusty's brand. 
Oh, crushed cheese is the shit. Man. Yeah. So, I like their a lot of their stuff, but I, I've been meaning to. Maybe, you know, I got shit. I'm still out of work for still over a week now. I need something to do. I made I made sugar cookies Monday or Tuesday because um, I still couldn't really be comfortable enough to drive. But I have flour, sugar, vanilla, and butter in my house, and I was like, I need to do something <laughs> so, yeah, sugar cookies fair. it was um and it's funny it's like oh these are you're damn good i'm like why don't i do actual recipes more often for baking i like to make bread but when it comes to i'm the same way though i don't have a sweet tooth like it's not my thing um i like savory or salty over over sweet so i don't really make when i bake if i'm gonna bake uh, it's cake mixes and crusty stuff um crusties is the shit and do you know their history I don't know Krusty's history. Do tell. Krusty's was originally founded in 1932 by the Seattle Bridge Club, which was a group of women who had a simple idea. Let's make an easy-to-make pie crust. Hmm. And they called it Krusty's. Ah. And that's, that's what started the brand. I love that brand. Their chocolate chip cookie mix is the bomb.com. And it literally was just some nice ladies who were like, "Let's make some good shit." And what could be what could be better than that? Their soft pretzel kit. It, I make I make soft pretzels, and every goddamn time I get their kit, it's better than doing it the hard way. <laughs> you know, like actually mixing ingredients and doing full proofing, all that stuff. They're yeah, fuck making pretzels, honestly. So their theirs is better, <laughs> and it's it's cheaper. It's cheaper. It's less effort. If you're gonna make soft pretzels, go for the crusties. All right. So hard to argue with that. Yep. Um, oh, one other thing, just from this episode, I'll just play this without any intro on this. But this this made me giggle. We're gonna put this in a cast iron skillet because that's a fancy way of making it. You could just use a cake pan or a nine by nine dish. Yeah, you can make muffins. I really like corn muffins. But I wanna take this moment to demonstrate that Kevin and I are from different areas. And I say iron, and he says, Iron, iron, iron. Kevin and I have been playing Minecraft, and he's like, I found some iron! <laughs> it cracks me up every time. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good. Well, you got the dig on me too when I was out with my—I'm not going to say it wrong now—my water uh, pronunciation being from Eastern Pennsylvania. So I'll just leave it as that. There's a D in the word apparently if you live out this way. But uh, yeah, hilarious. Water. Uh, yeah, it's water. <laughs> yeah, give me a glass of water. I try. You know what? It's it's funny because it's one of those words I know I do it. And so before I say it, I try to catch it, but you know, it's never going to always happen, but I'm not terrible, but it, it definitely happens. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. We'll switch gears. Um, I know you were in New York for a couple of days, so we'll, we'll just talk about that now. <laughs> so I want to do something to intro, just like your hot takes from New York city. Um, <laughs> this actually deserves an intro cause it's funnier, I guess with, uh, I was like, ah, oh. I, I, I'm like, I can't do anything that has, uh, you know, that's copyrighted. Uh, it has to be royalty free. So I was trying to find um, either the worst or dumbest cover of New York Groove I could find. And I found it's two 12 year old girl twin sisters. One plays like a three piece drum kit, and the one plays like a guitar that doesn't look like it's plugged in. 
Um, so here, here, here's that. Let's listen to most of this. Many years since I was here. On the street, I was passing my time away. To the left and to the right, buildings towering to the sky, it's out of sight. I like how they're slightly off of each other, too. Back in the New York groove. Sing it, Phil. I'm back. I don't. Back I don't in the know New York this song. <laughs> I'm back. Back, back in, in the New, New York, York groove. <laughs> How fantastic is that? Oh. I, I feel nothing. <laughs> it's oh, it's so terrible. Uh, it was uh, shit. Who was the original singer there? I think it was the band. Is it Hello? It was made famous by when um, Ace Fraley from Kiss made a solo album, and that was his hit off of it. Oh, fantastic! Uh, yeah. <laughs> on the same on the same vein of singing about New York, from the moment we got on the plane to the moment we got on the plane to leave New York, I just kept finding uh, times to like softly sing Alicia Keys in New York. <laughs> yeah that one yeah yeah, yeah that, that one and every time my wife was like stop please <laughs> please please end this please stop <laughs> did you have fun at least i had some fun uh you know it was it was one of those family visits where like the you know the family's having a hard time and mm. you're there to support and uh, to be perfectly frank, and this just probably doesn't surprise anyone, I got that corn-fed Midwest, corn-fed, corn-fed Midwest spirit, mm-hmm. and I hate big cities. Yeah, and New York is probably—is it the biggest city? Not, I don't know, but it's in the it's U.S. So big that, not in the world, but the U.S. Yeah, it's so big, my narrow mind can't comprehend it. And I had some cool experiences, but on the whole, I hated it. I, I'm not. I know, and I'm not going to be a New York apologist either. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I the thing about New York, it's like first of all, it smells. It, the whole place friggin' stinks. Like literally, it's smells. garbage everywhere. It just garbage. stinks. And it, when you're in the winter and the and the sewers are steaming, and that's because it's all fucking disgusting human runoff steaming. To, it's it's it fucking reeks. But beyond the smell, the thing about New York is like the way. Uh, we're a global society now as which is a good thing we're so mixed like new york made a lot more i think it was a lot more exciting maybe in the 67 like when it wasn't when the whole u.s wasn't as diverse you know that was the diverse place it was cool but i I think most places are a little bit more diverse and uh but new york now just like it has more of the same things so let's say like from where you're at or where i'm from like you want to go to the theater uh, off so let's say off Broadway so you're not a Broadway show but you know they might have all these theaters well we have i think 3 but like i don't need more you know what i mean like new york just seems to offer you you are hit you are hitting on my exact sentiment right like, where i <laughs> i went to new york experienced some cool things i ate some good food but none of it was unique i mean right. that's all that's all like it's all trickled down to everywhere else now. 
and it, it was like I went on this boat tour where I could see I saw Statue of Liberty, I saw the buildings, I saw every part of New York from from the water, just like for a larger context. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they would say shit like, "Here in this district, they have twenty five thousand restaurants," and I was like, "I don't care." Because it's twenty five thousand of the same fucking thing, and like <laughs> even even like by, uh, by the like third or fourth day I was there, I was like, "Where are we gonna go to eat?" I was like, "I don't know." One of the one hundred thousand Middle Eastern restaurants <laughs> that are all save, serving the same thing, and it's all good, but I know what it is. What's well, like and you know, like I, oh, I just, there's a New York I just, slice. It, it, it's infinite choices, but yeah. it's not. Ah, oh, man. Do you need? Uh, I don't even know. Fuck New York, honestly. <laughs> Fuck New York. I, I don't need, I don't need fifty good pizza options. I just need one somewhat close to home. I have that. You know, like oh, I want one, some, I want some pho. Inch. All right, I know a place. I, uh, um, well, my favorite is a little bit of a drive. It's like a forty minute drive, but there's this perfectly serviceable one about ten minutes from my house. It's fine. You know, like I don't need. I don't need the added variety and hassle and crowds and smell. Yeah. Now, listen, one option is good. Two options, that's better. Mm -hmm. Three options, that's plenty. Four options, okay. And then after (laughs) that, 25,000 options, I don't give a fuck. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? And the way they they hold pizza sacred, I mean, New York pizza is good, but a lot, especially the cheap stuff's not good. But there's... Yeah, oh, there's a pizza. There's like three pizza shops per block. I'm like, how's that good? <laughs> they all pretty much just suck. I don't. <laughs> there's good pizza is readily available everywhere. So the whole, true. the it's old, true. every, every, only in, I hate when people are like only in New York. It's like, nah, nah, not really. <laughs> Nate, my my impression, know. and I'm sorry to anybody in New York, but my impression is that like. New York City's got a chip on its shoulder, and everyone is like, living there is difficult. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people feel really uh, good about themselves that they figured out how to live there. But it's like, congratulations, you got a gold star for living in a place that's not easy to live. But uh, that doesn't make you interesting. <laughs> or, like, congratulations, you could have had an easier time somewhere else. Right. And also, your pizza's just okay. Like, come, come on. Yeah, you're. Uh, I'm sorry you're paying $2,600 a month for a studio apartment in a walk-up on the 10th floor. Shrug? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. It's not for me. Yeah. It's, it is for some people. It's not for me. I have a friend uh, right out of high school. That's all I ever wanted to do was live in New York City. So he went. And I like, I mean, we're still friends. Um but he always, it was New York or nothing. And so he went to NYU and he's never left the city. It's all about living, living in New York. And I mean, if some people are just into it, I just, it's not that I'm, I'm, I like personal space too. So that's part of it. I need, I like to be around people, but I also need to feel like when I need to not be around people, that there's a large enough bubble of not people that I can feel like even I think when when I was over at your place and we were talking about because your neighborhood is very similar to mine like lot size and like house like age of houses and that kind of thing we live in very similar neighborhoods like your neighbors are close ish so you have a little bit of buffer but you know the second you're outside they think oh that means oh he's outside so he must want to have a conversation it's like no I'm literally outside to water some plants like 
This isn't, this is, I don't want to have, you're very nice. I understand you're retired. You're very nice, but I just want to water my peppers and get back inside. I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> Bro, I, I went to that city and I've, I've been on this track of like, I need to get out of the city and move to a farm and fuck off. And everyone needs to leave me alone. And going to the city reaffirmed that in <laughs> so many ways where I was like, wow, look at these millions and millions of miserable people. And no thanks. Well, I think no you, fucking thanks. No I think, fucking thanks. I think you could do well in like an area like Jimbo and Jimbo's little homestead there where you're, you're, you know, you're still, I wouldn't say it's a development, but you're still with a, sort of around people. You know, so you're still going to get your streets plowed, your your close drive. You know, if you need medical care or if you do need to go to a city or an airport, um, and that's like so. Around my house is similar. Um, I live in a suburb outside of the main metro area, um, but you got to go through like farmlands, which is mostly corn and soy. And then all of a sudden, you're like in my suburb. I live totally, in totally, totally agree. And that's a big. I mean, I love Jimbo as an individual. But also that dudes live in my dream life. Yeah. Like I am I am like hanging out with Jimbo in part because I want to learn how he got what he got because I want that. How does one Jimbo <laughs> please take notes? Yeah, dude, I'm on the path to becoming Philbo. Like it's it's not it's it's, it's not that different. Oh, <laughs> oh. That's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so that's <laughs> boy, was that a <laughs> let's let's listen to a terrible cover of a song that Phil doesn't know um, right into Let's Shit on New York into Philbo. So that was a nice little New York trip recap. Uh, Is, I got a question. I got a I have a statement. Okay. Somehow this podcast is going to be longer than the first one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I didn't think we could do it. I managed it. It's, it's is that so that's literally a statement just just a comment on the length what what's the what's the average gin gin yz whatever the fuck they are what their attention spans what five minutes <laughs> ten minutes at the most they see ten minutes they're like fuck this fuck this i know we're an hour we're, we're an, an hour, hour and a half, and a half yeah. in <laughs> although um i still have the past technically we went for an hour and 45 last time but yeah yeah, I don't know. You know what, though, Phil? You ha- it's the fans. You know, they're they're so fanatical about you. You're just so amazing. They hang on every word, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 stroking ego, stroking ego. You could talk I her through that. I feel nothing. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on to chicken parm. Speaking of fucking insane. So um, I-, I put together, like, three clips. You know what? I might just run these all three back-to-back with maybe a comment in between. The problem with trying to come up with clips from this episode was that uh, the entire episode is so manic that it's like, how do you pick out uh, bits from... It's it's a gem. It's a gem of an episode. It's a great one. That one capsul- it encapsulates everything that is uh, PGC. So uh, the first clip, we're just going to talk... Um, first, where you're, you're still kind of on, on, um, on topic. So you're talking about... Uh, Crushing tomatoes. Using a bigger bowl would have been appropriate, but here we are. All right, bigger bowl. I think we did this for pasta puttanesca. 
my memory serves me. I think what this is, this is like the grandma factor. Okay, so like, there's some like scientific research out there that like the oils in your hand impart a specific flavor that's unique to you. So that's part of why like your grandma's cooking tastes good. Does it taste like her sweat? Just let that wash over you. Grandma's clammy hands. <laughs> Wishing up your tomatoes. Okay, that seems good enough to me. So, so you did scientific research on that? No, that's a true fact. That's there's that's not even disputable. It's just it just is. It's it's some weird weird subtle factor that like like it's it's in it's in your brain just like everything else. And I don't know if you ever have this experience but like uh, on, on, like on a scent level with mm -hmm. my grandparents there's a bunch of different smells that like if I ever smell them I'm instantly transported to like visiting my grandparents house it's the same deal mm -hmm. it's it's just like early early uh, sen um, sensory memories <laughs> I wasn't disputing it I just wanted to see if you actually did the scientific research that's all <laughs> no it is a thing it's a thing there's articles I we could I could look up those articles for you, uh, but legit, the oils on your hands do flavor a dish, and over time, it, it can train someone to be like, oh, this is something prepared by my family member. But, it's legit. Yeah, all right. I'm fine. It's not, it's not a fight. <laughs> oh, wait. So you owe me that article, and I owe you a 1985 Goya commercial with a woman doing this. Got it. I don't think that you owe me that. I think I owed. Uh, you know, I wrote it down. So I and I'm a man of my word. So I want to make sure I get that over to you. Um, so, <laughs> and much like, uh, much like uh, this podcast, uh, where I've on. I oh got. I don't know how many glasses now. Of this. So uh, this next clip is about slipping into the pocket. So I don't know if I'm. Don't 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 play that clip. You don't want that clip. No, you could play it, but you got to stop for one second. Okay. Because I want the, the listeners to know what it is that I have a video stream of Brett mm. while we're doing this. Uh -huh. And I, I, I seen him. I seen him drinking. <laughs> he doesn't know the number and I don't either, but I, we both know it's, it's, it's up there. <laughs> this, this, this dude's been, this dude's been hitting the snoop. <laughs> snoot after snoot. <laughs> Do you like how uh, normally uh, I wait till you're you're talking and then I just I don't know. Well, no, you probably can't see my arm, but I, I just lower the gain on my microphone all the way down so people can't hear me. <laughs> I'm just drinking drink after drink. Uh, the very the very first thing that basically the very first thing we talked about when we first started uh, recording this episode was that Brett popped that bottle. I knew exactly what that sound was. <laughs> It was like, <laughs> hmm, look at that. Here, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> so let's uh, let's delve into what the pocket is. So, as is normal on the show, I'm tired of filming after I worked all day. Had a little bit of pep. The pep was a yerba mate sparkling beverage that I pilfered from John. He left it in my fridge, making it fair game for me to consume. You should see the look on his face. And then I had a glass of wine. But it's typically at that second alcoholic beverage point that I start to slip into what's called the pocket. The pocket is when your brain gets out of the zone that it was in and gets into the zone that it should be in. So I'm gonna have that second glass. 
Boy, I feel healthy. <laughs> so, Phil, have you hit the pocket tonight? I know you weren't feeling it this as we talked about in the beginning. You're tired. You're great. You feeling good? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah! There it is. All right, just just checking. No, yeah, I feel I do feel good, and it is from, um, you know, some significant drinking, uh, some reflection on the good times, mm-hmm. uh, a pleasant conversation, and and honestly, I feel like we I have successfully sl- slogged off <laughs> the uh, the troubles of the day, and I feel fine, feel good. good. I, I'm pretty sure the pocket metaphor comes from Trailer Park Boys. Mm. I think it's a Jim Leahy segment. I'm not totally sure, but I'm almost positive. At some point, he talks about being in the pocket. And for, for Jim Leahy, of course, his pocket is like he's three shits to the wind. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, you know, there there is some truth to it that you, you can get in the pocket before you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's a I, good place to be. I spend most of my life trying to maintain the pocket. I don't like being drunk. I hate being drunk. I like that, as you described it, and where's the trailer park boys, the pocket. There's that comfortable buzz. Anything past that I don't like. I drink enough to maintain it, but I boy do I like to get there quick. So I was kind of in a funk today. So uh, I was feeling pretty good yesterday, pain-wise and stuff. Uh, this morning wasn't feeling so good. Uh, I tried to run an errand. I did, but it was... Uh, it felt like a setback, so I was kind of bummed today. So I made a mad rush to the pocket, and uh, I'm living in the pocket right now. I'm feeling pretty good. So God bless you. Fine folks at Abalor Distillery. Um, it is actually the Abalor Distillery. Abalor Distillery in the space side of uh, Scotland, it double cask matured. If I remember correctly, too, Abalor's always uh, finished in sherry. Yep, traditional oak and then sherry oak. Yep. So thank thank you, Abelor. You're doing the trick tonight. It's really helping me maintain the pocket. Um, then I'm gonna move into the YouTube quarantine <laughs> discussion, and then that's. Can it. we? No. Go ahead. Stop. Go ahead. Please. All stop. right. I only I just wanted you to, to stop for one second. Okay. For us all to pour one out for John Dunsworth. Okay. Do I have to pour it out? I mean, I'm in the. I'm in no, we just pour it into his belly. All right. But R.I.P. John Dunsworth. All right, give me one. There we go. Because Jim Jim Leahy is dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you're drinking to his death. <laughs> well, is that what you're supposed to do? Come on. I'm not Irish, but it feels right. John Dunsworth doesn't. He didn't even drink alcohol. Mm. But I, I want to encourage anybody who views things on the internet to look up a couple videos of his, not his trailer park boy stuff, uh, but his like, uh, cement working stuff. Um, because I think, I think he actually is a pretty admirable dude and he had some pretty good life wisdom. I saw, Um, I saw his death, but I didn't see what was the call. Was he sick? Was it illness? No, I think he just was old. Really? He didn't, he didn't, well, all right. He didn't feel old, but I don't know, I'm always wrong with ages. I think he was like 70-something. It mm-hmm. was kind of an early death. Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, but, you know, I, just just reflect on it. I mean, just reflect about it for a minute. That guy, that guy was a silly bastard, and he made a lot of people laugh. 
but he had he had some true facts to share, and there is some some good YouTube shit about his true facts, and you should look it up. There we go. Everybody, look it up and pour one out with us. And I'll uh, I'll pour another one out since I need a refill in the process. All right, Brett's wasted. <laughs> Not yet. Getting there. I told you I don't like being drunk. Just enough to maintain. All right, the YouTube quarantine, and the reason I picked this is plausible. Like, <laughs> plausible. I uh, I picked this as the last clip from this episode because it's literally like right before it gets so goofy that like I can't. <laughs> there's like there's nothing past this point I could I can just pull. But uh, I really I, I enjoyed the explanation of of the quarantine. These are the intriguing musings that brought you to this YouTube channel, and here you shall forever be stuck. For once you subscribe to our channel, you can't watch anything else. It's literally in our contract with YouTube. We're, we're what's called quarantine, in that our content is so bad that once viewing it, you have been tainted, and you are not allowed to watch anything else. It's like a disease. It's like an STD, but there's no sex. Oh man, I'm, I'm, tonight's getting weird. It's gonna get weirder too. <laughs> Here's, here's two eggs. Notice how they, uh, when you put two eggs together, they look like a pair of balls. Crack open the balls and remove the contents. Hey, look, there's a kid in that ball. Put that in a little bowl, ball in a bowl, beat that unborn child until the uh, taxes are incorporated in the state, and you know the drill, okay? <laughs> there, I think that speaks for itself. And going back to our very first clip where I said lima beans were balls, uh, we've gone full circle. Now eggs are balls because they're in a dish together. I'm pretty sure that like one of the main Spanish slangs. Huevos? Yeah, huevos. That's what they call their balls. Yep, the eggs. And that's, that's where they keep babies apparently as well. I mean, that's kind of like reverse of the true facts, right? Yeah, because that, that's where eggs pe- are not stored in the balls. No, no, that's where that's where pea stored. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that checks out. Checks out. That's um. So when you guys are looking up the grandma sweat hands, um, when you're searching YouTube for a 1985 uh, Goya commercial, uh, just keep in mind also you want you want to make sure you uh, look up in Scientific American the fact that uh, pea is stored in the balls. I feel like that that series of words that you just played back was was like it's like the the most like canon typical pgc thing where like some weird thought got in my brain and i just talked until it it got even weirder (laughs) accurate (laughs) so that night of filming where were what kind of headspace were we in for that one? That was, I mean, like I said, I I was the, that's probably the best one last six months. Yeah, in a minute. it's It was one of the better ones in a minute. Um, it actually has even more importance on a larger Phil context of life scale uh, in that uh, the restaurant uh, which inspired that dish the version of that dish that we prepared um, was the restaurant that me and my wife went to immediately after I proposed marriage to her. Nice. Uh, and we had been there many times before, one way or the other. 
Um, but that one in particular, we went there after I asked her to marry me. And we sat at the bar. And I was, like, so shell-shocked of that, like, actually fucking proposing to my wife after being with her for 10 goddamn years or whatever it was. And uh, we sat at the bar, and we had some drinks. We ordered food, and the, the fucking server was, like, after an hour, was like, Oh, shit, I never put your order in! <laughs> A magical evening. <laughs> that would... So she actually comped our whole meal oh. that night. So the night I proposed to my wife, we got a free meal out of it because we sat at the bar drinking instead of eating. Uh, but that that little restaurant, it's it's a little little tiny place. Um, multiple times I had their chicken parm, and it was unique uh, in that it was this you know very nice chicken parm served on Alfredo noodles, uh, and it's it's. My recipe doesn't even do it justice. It's actually much better. Um, they added some elements of spice that were better. Uh, but it's very special to me in that it's like... Uh, that th The inspiration for that dish was tied to my marriage in some weird way. Uh, definitely was in a weird headspace when we filmed that episode. Uh, but clearly what it, it's a recipe I'm passionate about in that it's like... Uh, it's unique to that place. It's some next level shit. And I don't, I, I honestly, I don't remember what episode we filmed the week before. Uh, but it, I thought it was boring. I know I said it some, at some point in the episode, I was <laughs> like, I didn't make enough jokes. Hmm. So I'm just going to let my, my weird brain out of its cage. Um, and I try to, I try to get in that headspace as much as possible. Um, and it's fun to go there. Yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes all the all the movie magic, all the statistics, all the stars align and just all the weird shit comes out and we make something great. And it's fun. Yeah. And so I in my opinion, that is absolutely one of our best episodes as of late. I think uh that's a great one for new people too to kind of get the vibe overall because it ends up being a good dish. You make well other than other than the pasta. Nobody's gonna fucking make pasta. But other than that, you made everything. Um, it's good. Uh, there's lots of funny moments. It's a good length. Well, it's a longer, even longer than usual. Uh, but it's a great uh, snapshot of uh, just PGC in general. And I had a one of my friends stopped over uh, last night. Uh, he's like, "Hey, I'll come up visit. See you." Blah blah blah. He brought steaks and whiskey. And how can I say no? So uh, he he came over and we were uh, out in my uh, my sunroom. Um, we were hanging out there and I have a, a TV, but it's it doesn't have cable or anything like that. It's just a smart TV and we're we're watching YouTube stuff of random shit. And then that video came up as the uh, like uh, you know like after you're finished something is the suggested next. He goes, isn't that isn't that that guy? I'm like, yeah, that's the that's the guy because he he's like, oh, you were. Gonna... I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh, you you need to watch this one. And the whole time he's just laughing and he just keeps going, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you're getting it. <laughs> you figured it out. <laughs> what the fuck is the right answer? What the, just a head shake and a what the fuck? It's nope. true. I, I wish, I honestly, I wish all our episodes could be of that caliber. Uh, but that I feel like that's part of the PGC psyche. Like, some of them are shit and some of them are good. 
And then every <laughs> so often there's one that's special. Yep. And that one was special. I mean, it really was. It, you know, maybe if we didn't put out an episode out every week, there would be more special ones. Uh, but every so often, man, there's just one that, like, that one was special for sure. It's fantastic. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to harp on it too long, but uh, for everybody listening, if you're not up to date yet on the PGC episodes, especially for this month that we've gone through, and you listen to this first before getting to them, skip to chicken parm first um, and then cycle back. You'll uh, you'll thank me later. Um, the last one of uh, of that month span, actually, it's been a little bit over a month. A month would have been last week, but uh, I was literally having surgery at the time, so couldn't couldn't tape a week ago. Um, so there's another episode. Uh, it's the Fudge episode, and you do have another guest star. Sweet, um, uh, a lovely individual by the name of Ashley. Um, and so you met. Now, how did you two meet? Did you meet through her crafting, or how did that end up happening? I know Ashley through my good friends, Rain and Kayla. Okay. Uh, they're all they're all good friends and buddies and shit. And um, Ashley is a, a media person. Uh, she's a regular Twitch streamer uh, with the handle A Hair Affair. Is that H H A R E or H I? Yes. Okay. Hair as in the uh, rabbit. Like a bunny. Yeah. Okay. She does have a pet bunny now, uh, but her her whole shtick is that uh, she does like crafts and stuff on Twitch, and uh, like I said in the video, um, the whole the whole like crafting Twitch stream thing was new to me until I I saw it from a hair affair, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, there's, I mean, she's, she's very talented. Um, uh, we didn't really get into it at all in the episode, but she actually has a pretty cool story of like, I, I'm pretty sure that she was, uh, like a, a kid with some disease problem hospitalized and some program like helped her stay alive. Mm. And now, now she does like a lot of these charity streams that like basically funnels money back towards the same programs that helped her, you know, exist as a human being. Perfect. And, and that's that's pretty fucking cool. Like, how do you argue with that? Yep. And what's her? Uh, I know the links are in her are in that episode. So it's a hair affair, and that's on all social. Yeah, all social, Twitch, YouTube, yada yada yada. I don't I don't know what the fuck else. I don't know if she's on YouTube, but well, there you go, guys. Uh, hair hair affair, H A R E A F F A I R. I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Uh, most most of our streams I, are crafty, and uh, like I said, even my wife was like, oh, "I I see the appeal of this. It's like you get to enjoy the process without having to go through the effort of like mm-hmm. you know trying to make that shit on your own." It's so I watch a lot of it's it's in a way it's so I watch a lot of uh, uh, Adam like Adam Savage where he does the one day builds. Or you like yeah. make something. I watch those, and I watch a lot of uh, woodworking ones. I used to, when I was younger, like in my teens, I was obsessed with the what was it called the Yankee Workshop on PBS, where they made all the carpentry stuff. It's the same yeah. thing. I don't have any of that natural ability. I've tried. First of all, the equipment's crazy expensive, and even in the Yankee Workshop where they're using mostly hand tools, I don't have the dexterity i don't have i just know it about me i don't i'm not good i'm a person that's not good with their hands other than cooking i can cook 
Um, but I don't really consider that something that you need to be dexterous for. But I can watch that stuff forever because I find it absolutely fat. I have the highest level of appreciation for people that can do things um, that are seemingly, I was going to use the word normal, but uh, within a realm of normal human ability, such as crafting or like Adam Savage with one day builds or uh, you're like, oh, I wanted a, um, a stool that I could also store things in. And I wanted a lot of wood and the joints are just sexy. You know, they're amazing. But, uh. I, well, you know, they're amazing. So uh, I'm, I'm so into that, too. Like, uh, I love artisan videos and documentations of people who are good at shit. Mm-hmm. Love watching that. Yeah. So everybody hair affair um, on Twitch as well. So put that out there. Uh, and if you're not, I don't know, it's not related, but um, Adam Savage tested uh, on YouTube. Subscribe to that shit. You'll see some pretty cool. If you're a movie fan or movie or television fan, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, but getting into the fudge episode. So this is uh, this is another time where Phil and I are going to disagree. I'll play the clip first uh, for what we disagree on. Just to, just to interrupt needlessly and provide useless commentary, I also prefer eating those mini Reese cups to the bigger ones because I think the height to width ratio is is more enjoyable. That's how Reese cups should have been from the start. So that's where I'm going to disagree. I actually prefer, and I don't know if they still make it, and I don't remember the name of it. It was called like the Big Cup or Mega Cup where it was mostly peanut butter. I like the peanut butter inside the Reese's more than the, the chocolate. And with the minis, I think you get too much of the chocolate and not enough peanut butter. But that's just, uh, again, that's my take. Defend yourself, sir. No. Uh, those big, it's Reese's Big Cups is what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy those. I think they're great. Um, uh, but honestly, uh, to this very day, I still have a lot of that fudge that Ashley made. She took a, a very small selection of it home mm-hmm. with her and left us with an incredible amount of fudge. It freezes really well. My mother used to make fudge. She was a big bake and my well, mother that's used a, to bake. That's the problem, Brad, is that like you, you have a bite. Yeah. It's so it's sweet. The, it's the kind of thing that you're like, I'm good, man. I don't <laughs> even like desserts and I'm just going to go have some more. Yeah. And you walk out of another room and you're like, well, what if I just had some more fudge? <laughs> it, it only had like nine sticks of butter. It's probably fine. Yeah, I think I've lost probably some lifespan just from eating that. And it's still still around. I brought like half of it to work to try to give to the kids at work. And they, they're they eating it there, but still, I still have it, man. What I, what I loved about her recipe is because it it's both on PGC point that's on point for what I do in my life, which is the steal a recipe from somewhere and then modify it slightly and say it's yours. Oh, yeah. So, so like oh, the yeah. like the Ropa Vieja is pretty much Goya's recipe, except I added some more. I changed like ratios of things after making theirs. I'm like, this is watery as hell. I'm going to reduce that. I'm like, it's not beefy enough. I'm going to do this. And that's all I did was like, now it's mine. Take that Goya. But don't take that Goya because we'd really love you as a sponsor. We are like a couple seconds from a two-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not that you're keeping time. Here's the thing, though. 
It's two hours now of recording time, but what is it going to be after I edit? Last one got minimal edits. This one's probably going to have some more. One hour and 59 minutes is my guess. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. It's, I'll give you the people what they want. <laughs> so speaking of your amazing... I'm- how many? How many? Uh, how many listeners did we get to the first episode? Hold on, let me pull it up again. Give me the analytics, please. Yes, I will. So, on um, when you're a SoundCloud uh, creator, um, you can use they. It's weird. They don't. They have two separate apps. There's the SoundCloud app, and they have one called SoundCloud Pulse. Um, and what Pulse is is like it. It tells you all your analytics. It doesn't break it down like demo, like uh, YouTube does, but it does tell me listens and where they're at. So, whoops. <laughs> it, this is a nice, fun number. 69. Hell yeah. Hell. Uh, it's so stupid, but yeah, 69. That's not bad. Here's the thing, though. You got to remember, all the promotion for this podcast has been in the in the dick sword and me, yeah. and me spamming your YouTube posts. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I was I was thinking about potentially streaming our conversation, but the flip side of that is I feel like we would cannibalize some of our listeners. It's probably the same people who watch the stream that listen to the podcast. I was thinking so I was thinking the same thing, um, and I was thinking logistically, just the way I mix things, how I could stream it, um, where they could still get the good audio on both sides, but. I got some. I, I couldn't figure it out logistically, and it was the same thing. It's like the people that enjoy the Twitch stream and the people of the Discord are also our podcast listeners. So I don't want to poison the well. Yeah, it's it's the same four people <laughs> listening. Well, that's sixty nine unique list, listeners. So they do they do. Uh, it, I think it's the same sixty nine four people. <laughs> they just they just keep creating accounts. I want them to know I really like them. Like, have you ever saw that movie Swim Fan from back in the day? It was so awful. Nope. <laughs> okay. How about Misery? Have you seen Misery? Yeah, I've seen that. All right, Swim Fan was just like an updated Misery. Basically the same thing. So that's that's our fan. Okay. Kathy Bates okay. is our fan. Fantastic. Well, you know, I have to petition John because, I mean, you guys still have, like, your Google Plus link in, in all your YouTube videos, and I'm pretty sure that's dissolved, isn't it, Google Plus? <laughs> Do we really? yeah, so I'll I'm say, gonna message him right now to give him shit about it. I mean, he's. I would say that. So I was talking to my my buddy uh, that came over yesterday. He's like, hey, you know, if you you still want to, if you want to come over to my place tomorrow, I go. Wow, well, driving still kind of hurts a little bit, but I'll see. And I go, oh, you know what? No, I have podcasting. Blah blah blah. And we we're you know, again, we were looking at the YouTube. I was like, yeah, um, you know, it's it's growing slowly, but it's not bad. But uh, no, they still have links for their T-shirts that no one buys and their Google Plus account. Oh, damn. <laughs> Straight to the heart. We plugged T-shirts uh, on a recent film. Okay. <laughs> it hasn't come out yet, but we were like, wait a minute, we still got shirts. Maybe we should plug that shit. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, no, nah, I'm like, I got to, and I said that to him too. I was like, I got to, I got to petition John, see if I can sneak into the, the 70 links. At least mine is actually active and working. So. John, John said, lol, good call. Forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, John. I was looking for it. I was looking on the part, I was like, I wonder if they snuck it in yet to see if they want to promote the podcast at all. And then I'm looking at my Google fucking plus is beating me. They care more. We, uh, I am almost positive we filmed a plug for the podcast, but 
we film things and we don't release them in the same order. True. Oh, I feel a sneeze coming on. So if that happens, that's getting edited. Can we wrap this shit up? We sure can. Uh, oh, God. It's been two fucking hours. Perfect. Since you're so good with numbers, it's the last clip. I use like one and three quarters of a 10 ounce bag. So it is a little bit more. What were those numbers? I oh, use one no. and three quarters oh, of a 10 ounce bag. So, so seven eighths of 10? <laughs> So 70, 70 80ths of a, of a bag? Is that? No, that's not right. 70 over, yeah, 70, 80, right? How does that reduce? Is that just 7 eighths? So 15 ounces of Reese's peanut butter cups, which would have been a lot easier if I had said 20 ounces, three quarters of that. So you're in charge of people's money. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, okay. I don't feel like I need to defend myself. <laughs> I would like to. I would like someone else in those circumstances to, to say how they felt the, in the moment. The se- seventy eightieths does that reduce? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have. A, I don't have a good excuse. I don't have a good excuse for anything. Yeah, that was good. Well, thank you, Phil. I went on a really good laugh, and that really made me laugh. That was wonderful. I got that, I got that big, dumb. <laughs> I was born this way, man. This is this is transgenerational dumbness. <laughs> Fractions are hard, buddy. Fractions I'm just a hard. couple generations from sharecropping, to be honest. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm playing the fucking intro. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!